All right, welcome. Person of interest with me, Natalie Jones. This week we have Kick Lee. Kick Lee has started the Music Accelerator here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And not only is he a longtime local, really great guy, favorite amongst the city, he has an amazing personal story. So Kick Lee is really popular around here, and he's told the same story many times. But I wanted to know what's really going on in his world and how he got to be where he was and how he overcame so many troubles and hardships that he's been through. It's pretty cool. This guy's been through a lot, and he's so young. I think he's, what, Kick, you're 30, 30 years old? We had a blast talking. You can talk to this guy all day. Um, The Cincinnati Music Accelerator is focusing on teaching local, teaching young artists the importance of how to make money in music and how to do it, how to negotiate in the behind the scenes, as well as the stuff in front of the scenes. So it's a front and back of the house type of deal. Oh, it's a labor of love with this guy. Enjoy Kick Lee. Well, because you are a... um, a leader here in the community, but you also are a music producer, amongst other things. Indeed. An entrepreneur, a mentor to many. Um, let's, what, 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 how would you describe yourself? I don't think labels really should exist. No. In general. <laughs> well, not coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know, not that they shouldn't exist, but I'm like, F the labels. Nobody cares about that. Like, right, right. How do you, if someone asks you, hey, Kick, what do you do? Oh, man, if someone asks me, what do you do? I always tell people I serve my community. And I I say that a lot. I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Literally, Mm -hmm. I'm a servant because it's it's like one of those long story longs. We'll get so deep into it. But it's always been just because, you know, we always try to label ourselves something that's just, oh, I'm a music producer, something that's just prolific, something that makes people be like, whoa. But unbeknownst to me, I started getting to that point of learning my own life, my family, and literally saying, like, man, I am a servant. Just really trying to do some cool things in my community, helping people, just not just Cincinnati, but music in general. Well, you've moved around a lot. I feel like you have probably connections all over the globe. We'll get into that. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, growing up, um, you're growing up. Did you ever think that you would be where you are now? No. Uh-uh. And this is where it gets deep. I never actually thought I would make it past 18. Really? And then I made it to 18, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to make it past 21. And I made it. And I'm just like, what the hell is happening? How am I making it? You know what I want to <laughs> know is, like, when, because, like, what you just said, those are two, like, fixed minds, mind. Uh, that, that's a fixed mindset. Yes. Like, I'm not going to make it to 18. I'm not going to make it to 21. Right. Do you know about when your mind frame changed into more of a growth and prosperous because now you are all about growing and learning as you go. Yeah. Do, you know, was there a moment where that changed? Or I, I could never tell you the exact moment of when mm-hmm. that changed, but I know the moments when I realized it were years later when I was in the middle of, like, what I'm doing right now, the Cincinnati Music Accelerator. It's like, crap. I didn't think I was going to make it. I forgot because I was so just engulfed in just life, surviving, being and doing something cool. I met so many amazing people throughout my life who just kept me inspired. And I don't know, even still to this day, I look back and I'm remembering things that I'm just like, well, I forgot all about that. Like, (laughs) shoot. Like what? Uh, I mean, I, I can't say something off the top of my head. Um, 
I don't know, maybe a trip I went on when someone, actually recently someone was like, you know, oh man, ever been to Baltimore? And I was kind of like, no, nah, I've never been to Baltimore. And then I remembered a foster family I was with, we did, they did a family trip and I went along with them and it was one of the, again, to me it seems very short, but it was a very long drive. Yeah. And I remember like, I did go to Boston and there was this, uh, or Baltimore, it was like one of these um, uh situations where I remember we were supposed to go to a club or some event and there was like a shootout. I was just like, oh, this is Baltimore. This is yeah. Baltimore. <laughs> like, okay. And even still this day, it's like, yeah, that's Baltimore. But just remembering things like that that I just completely forgot about because I was just so focused on surviving, thriving, yeah. living, and just having fun. Wow. Well, surviving, thriving, uh, and having fun and at having the same fun, time. Literally. During uh, a lot of hardships, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And I mean, I still to this day, like I'll tell you last night, like I, or today, like I was on Pinterest all night because I'm trying to figure out what are some cooler things or cool things I could do more with the music accelerator. Like, what else can we, how can we activate? You know, I want to adopt a park and put, build a wood stage, but also have it have a, a projector screen that comes and folds out you know, when we're not using it, so if anyone wants to have movie nights or something, like how do you make it programmable, not just for us, but the communities that we're in? So you started the Cincinnati Music Accelerator mm -hmm. around 2017. Yep. And you know what? Because you started off because you had a grant from People's Liberty. Correct. You know how I got my start in radio here at q 2 was also in 2017 because of People's Liberty. Oh, say more. Yes. <laughs> So really, there was the uh, the girl. I forget what it was called now, but she she got a grant and she started a radio station. Okay. And I don't know if you remember, but she booked it out there. The the yellow oh phone. Oh my god! Yes, I was on there, and it's I think the site is still up because we talked about music licensing, mm -hmm. and that was like our special segment. And then we even had one where we had like an in person, um, kind of just situation too. But it was so cool because it was literally in the window. Yeah. What was that called? Okay. I totally I forget it now. It. But we, um, mm. I had just moved home, and she, I read in City Beat that she that this was starting, and I did volunteer radio in a former time, and wow. so I wrote an email, and then I did a couple shows there, mm. took a picture, posted it on Facebook, and then Q and Two contacted through that through that. Mm. Photo wow. I posted. And this is one of I'm those moments that. we might have actually crossed paths. I know. And don't even realize I it. know. Just so much was happening. Oh, my God. And I was in a completely different state of mind back then. You know, started this in 2017. And 16 is when, like, life as an adult was, like, super, super rough. And, you know, so I lived in Norwood for, like, eight years. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, there was this huge rainstorm that happened and it flooded like a lot of the you know northern neighborhoods like Bond Hill, Evanston, Avondale, and Norwood. Mm -hmm. And my building had got condemned because one, the rain weight was so intense it caved in the ceiling, the entire roof. Oh God! And then the entire basement was literally in the ground, so all the water rushed into the basement of the building and literally rose to half the second level of the building. The flood. I remember yes. the flood. This was the Norwood flood. Correct. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. So I was in, you know, I was in this building, but it's so interesting. It's, it's so deeper it's, as I talk about it and just so much more about it. But 
it was intense for me because I'm an adult. I'm now homeless. I had a lot of friends, but I didn't have friends that I felt I could call on to say, hey, you know, I need a place to stay. And I continued to actually stay in this building. Wow. I'm on the third floor, though. I'm on the third floor in the back. My building, my ceiling kind of, you know, it was still okay. So it wasn't like, it wasn't bad. But, like, I want to say about a month later, you started to, like, literally smell the mold. You could yeah. start, like, start to see the ceilings start to form that water stains mm-hmm. and slowly start to come. Oh, my gosh, in. you're, like, squatting. Yeah, pretty much. And, because I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I'm... I have my family. I love my family, but you know, I still didn't feel like I could even call on them. That's mm-hmm. an even deeper story. Yeah. So eventually, I finally started like just doing some stuff, you know, to try to make things better. And then finally, told one person. Then one person told the world, and the world started reaching out. And then I finally found like technically two places that I really was suitable for me to stay in. So I started bouncing between two friends, ended up staying um, long-term with another friend for like six months, met a lot of wonderful people. That's how I actually got introduced to downtown over the Rhine. Really? I was hanging with a lot of friends. I learned about the startup scene and just all these other entrepreneurs, and that inspired me. Like, I could be an entrepreneur. Wait, I've been an entrepreneur. Yeah. I used to sit in my bedroom making beats. I still have a ton of those photos. Like, when people say, what did it look like? I found photos of that. So. Yeah. I got into this world and I got into this realm and I learned about just music, like accelerators and incubators and all these different things. And that was kind of like that big start of, I can do something more. I have the ability to do and be something more as an adult. Wow. So when did you first start making your first, when did your first beat make you money? Oh, so. Because you've been, you've worked with, I mean, Premier, ad agencies oh, yeah. around, yep. you know, around so, the world. I graduated from, uh, I went to Full Sail University to start that. Went to Full Sail University. Uh, first it was online, mm-hmm. and then I finished my final year physically in Florida. So it's called Winter Park, Florida, but it's Orlando, Florida. It's like okay. the Westchester of Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> our Westchester, pretty much there. So went to the school, met a bunch of peers. They were really into marketing, music, but marketing more so. And I was doing some things like just making music and whatnot. And they were like, hey, we we need some music for this you know, opportunity. And I said, okay. <laughs> um, not knowing really what it was because of NDAs, they weren't allowed to speak on it. Okay. So I didn't know what I was making. You gave you a nameless project. Yeah, nameless project. I get that all the time. Nameless project. Really? I kind of like do my research, like what's going on here? But they can't tell you because of NDAs? Yeah. And that's like a common thing? Even I have to sign them. Like there's stuff I can't even actually talk about that I've created music and content for. So fancy. So fancy. So fancy. (laughs) So long story long, worked with them, finally came back, said, hey, your music is going to be in a huge ad that's about to happen in the next week. Like, next week? Like, what? So we're, like, figuring, trying to figure out all the logistics and whatnot. They're like, you know, you got your copyright, everything. I was like, yeah, all my paperwork's were good. What's up? Finally found out that my music was placed in advertising for the 2018 Winter Olympics with Toyota. Which is so cool. Huge. And that was like... Was that call on me? Yep. <laughs> 
Yes, that's yep. a good beat. That's, the, that's, that's a, a good, good beat. beat. That's yeah. actually my most licensed track. Cool, cool, cool. And that just took off because, you know, you work with an agency and groups, word of mouth, internet, just gets out there and people are just like, oh, you make music. But it wasn't that I just, I made the music. It's not just that. It's I'm easy going, apparently. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm easy to talk to. And again, it's the business side. I negotiate well. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go in like, I need a check. You're going to pay me what I deserve. I want all the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gift and a curse. I wasn't, because of foster care and just traveling and bouncing home to home, school to school, I wasn't really trained on finances, saving, budgeting. So I never really understood the value of money. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's a gift because I don't look at money so much like I got to have every single cent. I know. I, me either. I don't understand people who do. Right. But in ways, sometimes I'm envious. I'm like, I would probably have more, be yes, more responsible with be, it if I can. You know, like it's kind of like how you sign a record. It's like, oh, you could do it yourself, have more money, longevity, blah, blah, blah. It's like, for me, it's more like I just want to make enough to sustain my living, take care of my kid who's 13 now, Ooh. and do some fun stuff. Literally, yeah. I just want to do some fun stuff. And long story long again. Just word got out. And I'm still to this day easy to negotiate on this situation with a brand, I won't say. Mm-hmm. But walked into the electronic section, music's playing on the TV. It's mine. And I'm like, whoa, all the flat screens, ad is playing. That's great, but where's my, That's my music? Where's my, where's my music? Where's my money? Yeah. Where's my money, man? Yeah, <laughs> I want yeah. some money. Mm-hmm. So I did my own digging. And reached out to the agency because as as I try to tell musicians and creatives and music, like the brands aren't the ones making the advertisements. They contract an agency to create it. Mm-hmm. So go find out who did it for them. So that's what I did. Research who it was, reached out. They kind of reached It took them a little minute, but they finally reached back and said, we're investigating. You know, thanks for reaching out. We'll get back to you. So they did get back to me, and the woman was so transparent. She said, all right, okay, we screwed up. We had an intern who ripped your song from SoundCloud. You know, we didn't do our due diligence and do the research. We thought everything was okie-dokie, a-okay, because we had to rush to get this out. And there it is. I read the room. I always tell people, read the room before you jump, you respond with Mm -hmm. anger or whatever and figure out how do you play this to your advantage. My advantage was, is I said, hey, see the mistake. You were transparent. You didn't have to tell me all those details. How about this? Just pay me percentage of what I'm owed. Cool. You know, it won't be a lot. And guarantee me four opportunities with this brand. And did that work out? It worked out. Way to go, dude. And that's my negotiating story. And so is that kind of what started Music Accelerator? Because, the like, what you, from what I gather... Music Accelerator is really empowering artists to take ownership of their music and their talent, realize their worth, and use it to their advantage. Correct. But teaching them also how to monetize properly, just understand the basics of it. You know, which is, this sounds important for not not only musicians, but as for creatives as well. For instance, Mm -hmm. I am a creative and a performer, and I don't get paid for the majority of stuff that I do. And... 
That's always been a thing. In the beginning, it's fun yeah. and it's exciting and you're honored and it's, you know, yeah. and you're yeah. like, oh my God, I'm, you're coming up and you're really excited about it. And then you get to a certain point and you're like, yeah, my time is important. Meh. Yeah. You know, and I feel like so many people, I've worked with people who have asked me to help plan things or whatnot, mm-hmm. and they'll just be like, not ask one of your friends who's a DJ to come and set up in the corner. And then when I say, how much are you going to pay them? Yeah. It's a silenced, like, oh, we actually, like, oh, maybe a hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is, this, there's a lot that goes into this. Why is our time not as valuable? Exactly. Doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So the reason I started CMA, Cincinnati Music Accelerator, was as I started getting these opportunities, I was actually learning the business myself. I didn't go to school to learn business, music mm-hmm. business. I just picked on it, picked up on it very well, and I had a lot of friends who dealt in different markets like finance, marketing, uh, entertainment, law, law in general, and just was like picking up on things. Um, but the problem was, as I started getting these opportunities, my mindset went like, man, It'd be cool if we had more people in our city working and, you know, helping each other to get more of these opportunities. Maybe I could be the person to get the ball rolling. Which is super cool because Cincinnati hasn't really had a thriving music scene like this, of this nature, mm-hmm. really ever. Ever. As far as I know, mm-hmm. no. I mean, I, there's 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 the stories that Cincinnati once was a music city and it was thriving, yeah. but I have yet to actually come across tangible evidence that that was that. I just hear history stories. You're talking people. about like King Records and stuff like that? But I'm saying like I can't find at least, again, mm-hmm. tangible evidence where there's photos of a thriving city with music. You look mm-hmm. up Detroit, t- uh, uh, New York, whatever, you see photo documentation. Did <laughs> you just say the uh, the big elephant in the room with the Cincinnati music scene that's been like a thing forever maybe? If everyone, you know, is really proud of it and says a whole bunch of stuff there's a lot of smoke and mirrors yeah there might be you know? we'll get into that we'll okay. get into that okay. <laughs> so again as i always say long story long i started come to i started trying to help these musicians by collaborating with them mm-hmm. the moment i would start talking about spreadsheets or royalties or you get a percentage i get a percentage they started asking well why is your percentage more than mine why are you getting the majority of the pot why are you getting more of a percentage you're just trying to screw me over, like all these like just very hurtful things. And I'm like, I'm actually trying to do something good. Like I'm the one with the power in the room, first of all, but that's not what I'm saying out loud. <laughs> but I'm like, why is why isn't no one really getting it? And finally, I said, Well, what is what exists within Ohio or Cincinnati or somewhere within our state that educates musicians on one on one fundamentals of music business? And I found nothing, not a single program, especially like ours, yeah. organization at all. So I said, well, what if I am the one to, again, to get the balls rolling? Mm-hmm. So I found out about People's Liberty through some friends. I applied for the grant, literally with two of my friends helping me do the application. 11.59, submit. <laughs> 11.59 p.m., submit. Way to go, dude. Submitted it, came in for the physical interview, Finally, I remember sitting in Starbucks downtown on 6th Street, and I'm in the back. And I knew that they said, this is the day we're going to call you. It's going to be at this time to make tell you our decision. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, man, I'm already jacked up on caffeine. I'm nervous. I've never been in a situation where I'm waiting for someone to tell me if I got some money or funded support or whatever. And finally got that call that said, 
you know, we would like to fund your idea. And I was like, yes. What? That is an excellent. What did you do after that? I mean, I sat there. I sat there in just disbelief, shock. Like someone, some people, some folks in my city actually want to give me a chance. They believe in you. They believe in me. And then it was this shock of crap. I got the money. Now what? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I got to figure this out. So long story long, six months, had to deliver the program. It was hugely successful. We had a graduation uh, for the musicians that uh, they all were performing artists that was amazing. The community showed up. We hit capacity. I couldn't. I mean, we had to we had to squeeze people in. Yeah, I have photos of that. It was just so much fun, and that was really the pickup of this is a thing. But I went to a darker place because I'm running a for profit recording studio, trying to get this thing off the ground. I'm still pursuing music, creating licensing, trying to mentor. Then here's this whole new entity thing. It's a lot. It's a lot. Lot. So I had to make a decision. And right when I said, you know what, I'm, I am I love it, but I'm tired. That's 2018. I got in December a bunch of Facebook messages and just messages from emails, whatever, just saying, hey, you know, thank you for educating me, teaching me, giving me some opportunities to just grow in music. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I've been able to, you know, for the holidays, the most depressing time of the year, I was able to feed my kid, take care of my family, buy gifts, do things. I was like, oh, crap. Well, well, here you go. Yep. And I got on the Secretary of State, incorporated, non-profit corporation, did the IRS, got my tax ID. Seven weeks later, got my determination letter, says you're officially a non-profit charity corporation. I was like, it's on. And we've been hitting the ground running ever since. That's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Pretty freaking cool. So Music Accelerator is doing so much, and I want to talk about you more because okay. you are a very popular man, Mr. Uh, Kickley. Yeah, right. I'm all right. But I want to know more about you. Okay. Okay? okay. You, I love, um, would you consider yourself an underdog? Maybe underdog isn't the, isn't the correct term, but I love stories of people who... Yeah, I love to self- a degree. Yeah, to a degree. So to I don't want—I don't want to offend you by saying that. No, 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 not like, at all, not at all. I don't take um, offense. No, no I, I guess underdog means that you weren't in the. Regardless, is that your story hasn't been easy. Mm-mm. And not at all. and I'm—I never thought anyone counted me out. I mean, there were people that would tell me like, you know, you're not going, man. What are you doing? You're not going to make it. This isn't going to work. Or people would say, you know. um, your idea is not ever going to make, you know, it's just not going to happen. You know, I don't know, but I never, I always took that like huh, challenge accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Challenge accepted. And I just grew from all that. Well, so you were raised in the foster system mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Are you originally from Cincinnati? Where are you yeah, from? Born in, born here in Cincinnati. Okay. Bounced around the country, semi the world, you know, just different places. Um, it was just, again, foster care was very traumatic. It mm-hmm. was, if I'm going to be extremely transparent and vulnerable here, it was terrible, man. Yeah. It was terrible. Homes, people, um, it was just terrible. You know what I mean, there's so many traumatic things. I've been physically, mentally, sexually, verbally abused. Wow. Period. 
Wow. Period. And it was just a lot. Yeah. But like I had said before earlier, there were so many people that were just so bright, full of energy and amazing that they were the ones that gave me that hope. So these people, so you were um, along the way, moved around, you're bouncing around Cincinnati in the country. Can you just explain a little bit? Like I don't, in the foster system, you can move to another city or move to another state? Yeah, so the way it works is there's actually a, before everybody was always, you were always bouncing around because every it, there were no real strict rules about who could be a foster parent. Mm. And literally everybody, you, yourself, could apply and do your training and become a foster parent. So it was oversaturated. So there weren't enough homes for the kids or teenagers to go to, especially if you're a teenager. Nobody wants to take you because you're out of the learning stage. You're out of the incubated stage. You're now in the accelerated stage. And it's harder to, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, train you. Yeah to be good, to be nice, to be whatever. As a kid, you're in the incubated state where you're being exposed to all these different possibilities and opportunities to where you're like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I want to be. Yeah. People are more open to taking you. Yeah. But again, it was oversaturated in that time. It literally took a case um, I'm I always think, feel like I'm screwing up the last name. Marcus Faisal okay. was this kid who was a fostered kid. I remember that. He was just challenged at the ADHD, and mm-hmm. his parent, his foster parents locked him in a closet. That's He suffocated. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. They took him out in the woods, burned him, like, in his God, body. I remember this. I forgot that this was, like, in Anderson, right? Or maybe, I like, Lakota, so. yep. something like that. Oh, my God. But that changed the entire system country it exposed so much that was just swept under the rug and just organizations that were in charge with leading foster care placing you things like that so that's why i kept getting bounced around because you know one bad foster parents but caseworkers didn't really care until it finally hit the fan where it was like, crap, I'm about to get in trouble. They're really bad. They're going to ruin my job. I got to move this kid into another home. Mm. And then they would always try to, as they say, uh, unload you. Yeah. Meaning your case to them. Okay. So stacks and stacks and stacks of manila envelopes of just cases of kids that they're charged with monitoring and quote unquote taking care of. So the more they can get you out, your folder out of here, the less work they have to do, the less kids they have to monitor. So there was always that case of that. And I just, unfortunately, it was one of those kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I never name drop anyone that was bad to me. That's, that does nothing for me. Yeah. And they're not that bad to where I need to go on cancel culture mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not that bad. <laughs> but... There are some, I mean, probably I should mention, like we had one lock me and some of my foster siblings in a, literally a walk-in freezer in their basement. Oh, my gosh. That's a whole story. How long were you in there? To be honest, I couldn't even tell you. As people say, it felt like forever. We're kids. We're kids. Do you still talk to any kids you met in the foster care system? Oh, yeah. A lot of them actually find me. Um... 
and they always and it's always nice reconnecting with them because mm-hmm. they always say, "I remember you were beating on the table and you got in trouble because you were too loud in class." <laughs> or, "I remember you bringing your equipment that you had got from a pawn shop and making beats and just all these different things." Like they're just telling me these stories again that I completely forgot about. Yeah, it's like I have so much in my brain, like I can't, I can't moving remember. forward. Yeah, I moving can't always forward. move forward until someone triggers. It's like a scent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll smell. So I was like, man, what's that? Oh, that old home or that old thing. We, I was, I remember that. Yeah. So, you know, it was just a lot bouncing around in foster care and just going off through all these different things. Well, I idolize that a lot in you. Thank I you. don't think that that's highlighted enough. And maybe you don't want, want that to be your story and main thing. And, you know, I'd respect for you. But I just want to say, I think that's really phenomenal. And to rise above and everything is super huge. So yeah, it's keeping me grounded, you know. And again, it's be me, be me being transparent. In the arts of Cincinnati, you don't see a lot of black people in it. Mm-hmm. And I am a man at that who is leading in an actual organization in music that is actually a part of arts and culture and currently right now thriving, yeah. surviving and thriving with it. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that people do look for you to fail. They look for one wrong thing. Like, there are people who are like, why Talk do you those need... those people, man. Right. God, I can't stand it. Yeah. I don't get it. And it's it, it's not a bad thing. And it's so interesting because it's usually people looking in, mm-hmm. not apart. And how do, you deal, how do you deal with that? I meet up with them or I have a conversation. I articulate really? my goal. How we're sitting here talking right now, me telling you my story... They end up being like, wow, I never really thought about it from that lens or that scope. That makes a lot of sense. And then they hear my story and they're like, wow. Okay, it's, it's like it all comes together. Mind you, these are the very people who are either directly or indirectly telling other people like, why does this guy need a Jeep for his organization? I'll tell you why. One, it's marketing. I'm a marketing nut. That's one. Two, mm-hmm. we serve a lot of musicians. A lot of those musicians aren't able to catch the bus. They live in suburban areas. A lot of them are young. Their parents don't want to drive them all the way down here because primarily a lot of those compensated opportunities are inner city. Yeah. There's not a lot of musical programming up north. Mm -hmm. So we have the ability to go take you from point A to point B and from point B back to point A. People are like, whoa. You're doing all the work, all the stuff. But again, nonprofits are... You're an agency that is here to solve a problem. That is why they are formed. Mm-hmm. I am here with my team and my community to help solve a problem. Wow. Okay. And what is the problem that you're solving again? Ending the cycle of starving artists. Yeah. That is the big goal through the art of music, but building and community. Ending the, the cycle of starving artists. I heard this morning on my daily... Um, on my daily cancer horoscope, okay. cancer, and it was about being an artist, and it said the plight of starving artists sometimes is glamorized as being like you need to struggle in order to be creative, in mm-hmm. order to thrive, and it said, and then it continued to say, that's actually not true. It's not say, true. Artists really thrive when they don't have to worry about surviving as much. Mm-hmm. The basic, when basic needs are met, then you can really thrive. Very much so, and that's what we strive to achieve. Which is so cool. You know what? Somebody recently said to me, and I won't say who, <laughs> and 
and they didn't mean to offend. And I'm kind of offended, but not. But this this man said to me, um, I was asking about his kids. You know, mm-hmm. how your kids? He has a couple. They're teenage women. They're from. They're, I think they're. They. I think all his kids range from like 16 to 21. Okay. Three girls. And he was like, you know, my oldest Nat. She's she's a lot like you. She's not a disappointing. She's not a disappointment, oh, but she really wanted to go to art school. And I was telling her, no, you don't want to be the artist. You want to be the person who owns the building that the artists do the work in. He's like, so she's in business school and she hates it. She can't get past accounting. She can't do this. She just wants to be an artist. And I'm like, let the girl be a freaking artist. This is why she's not doing what you want her to do. Right. She wants to, because, but also I feel like in most, in all artists, like we're stubborn. Like this is all I'm going to do. There is nothing else for me to do. This is all I can do. You got to let that woman grow and thrive and and supporting her and supporting artists is the most important thing you can do. And that's the issue that, again, that's a problem we're trying to solve is parents, the arts to a degree is not being a career option one. Mm -hmm. That's because they themselves don't even know how to make it a career option for those around them that want to make it a career option. Yeah. There's lack of education on how to succeed in that sector. And that's where people like myself come in and teach professionalism within the arts. And you offered so much. I feel like you don't have to be a musician or a producer or a um, or a uh, manager in order to reap the benefits of what you're offering the community. Not at all. For instance, a lot of things that you're describing, I'm like, I wish I would have known that when I was learning to go, like I never thought in school, like I graduated college and everything, mm-hmm. paid for it myself and everything, and I, I never saw anything in school that was really offering what I wanted, and, and therefore I felt like I never really knew. I knew that I wanted to be a public speaker of some for, of yeah. some sort. After my first public speaking class, I asked my professor, my freshman year of college, "How do you make money public speaking?" And he was like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I don't know. All I know is that I need to speak. This is what I do, but like." How do I do it? And he had nothing that he had no, nothing to tell me. He was like, go to a media school. But I was like, I don't want to be in media. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be in the news. That's not what it is. How do I do it? I had nothing to offer. And I wish that there would have been courses like you're saying, because I would have, that would have, those, all of these things. I'm like, that's exactly what I would have loved to have done. Yeah. And I do public speaking too. And that fell in my lap. I was not a dream I was pursuing. I got invited to tell my story yeah. to an audience of 500 freaking people i was on 10 like oh my god there's a <laughs> lot of people you see the chatter am i gonna stumble am i gonna walk up the stage and bust my butt like i was just so embarrassed i literally was like i just had coffee but i gotta pass gas <laughs> like, oh my god i just freaking out you're so polite i'm you a nervous i was like i'm a nervous wreck and literally i got up there and it was a standing ovation oh but not just that. Afterwards, people came to me and said, you know that part you just told about being sexually abused? I'm going through that right now, but I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to open up. How did you do that? How are you able to speak to a full room of 500-something people and be open to tell that story? What, what did you do? And I literally was like, I just said it. 
I just said it. That's when you know you're doing the right stuff. But it also made me aware that I am an advocate for more than I knew. Mm. There's so many things that I've been through, but there's so many more people who've been through it as well and are still going through it, who are still carrying, even in the foster system, they are still carrying that trauma. That trauma is affecting their success to climb to be something or someone great in the world. And they can't find someone or have not found someone yet to resonate with to say that person is who pushed me, not in like directly, but pushed me to want to do more. And I said, I got to somehow be a person, not the person, a person that gives off that same vibe. Wow, I just got the chills. That speaks volumes to me personally, and I hope to everyone else who's hearing this. Yeah. I mean, I love I love being transparent. I love being vulnerable. I'm still publicly talking more about my faults, but that's only because I'm learning more about, again, I can't remember everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like as I remember something, I memorize it. If I don't have anything in front of me, then I'll write it down and say, okay, how do we open up more about this? Well, it sounds like to me from what I'm um, hearing is that you're kind of like learning along the way, teaching yourself. Correct. I'm still learning, always learning. We always, yeah. You know, the a story I'm telling more recently is, you know, COVID's affected a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like my musicians that we work with, musicians in general, like we got to find them more gigs. We got to help them out. But I didn't really think of a lens of, here's the story. I had a musician Newly new musician that's part of our music accelerator, actually one of our most amazing ones now. Mm-hmm. He was very upset because there was a miscommunication about how, uh, what he was being, the amount he was being compensated, and we he you know he said that's unfair. You need to pay me what you said you promised, and it just kind of got deep. But I, the e- the email he sent was like either a you hired me to do your social media. Mm-hmm. B, you compensate me the amount you said we're actually being compensated, and then I sue you. Or B, you pay me X, Y, and Z that I'm supposed to be compensated, and it's water on the bridge. Right. But first is, again, learning experience. I've learned a lot of things in my life, mental health. I was able to identify something deeper here. Why would you articulate and word things in that manner something else is going here so as my friend who i was consulting with told me i need to pull my og card so i pulled an og card of a musician who happened to know this other musician said hey you know i want to learn about this person you know you seem to know them well is there something else going on and literally validate like yeah i think something else is going on let me let me try to do my own research this friend said that and figure it out about very next, about an hour later, but also the very next day, the musician was very apologetic. Said, hey, can we meet up and talk? I'm just going through a lot in my life. We met, took him out to lunch, and the guy was so apologetic. He just, I'm so sorry. I've just, I'm going through life. I've had a lot of people screw me over through my time. And then the biggest thing that was an eye-opener for me was the cash assistance that people are receiving. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know how that works. I know about it, but I don't know how the structure of it works. And I'm still, still trying to figure out. What do you out. mean? So, again, don't don't quote me on this, but I guess they have to report their income that they make. Like a 1099? No, just in general. Like, I guess on a monthly basis or whatever that they have to report to the government. 
And then in order for them to receive a certain amount of cash assistance. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when they don't make, say, a gig's $100 and that gig gets canceled, technically it looks like they lied and they have to then give that money back. Okay. I didn't know that was a thing. And that's what he was nervous about. Uh, and I was just like, who else is going through that? And then we've that. had other opportunities with partners where gigs were canceled just to weather or, you know, something. And I was just like, man, who else is going through this? How mm-hmm. do I need to learn more about this subject. I need to, inter- like, not directly pry, but figure out who else is going through this. Mm-hmm. And understand. Because, again, I'm here to serve. I can't serve something I don't understand. So that's what I'm trying to do now is learn more about the realm. It's like education is power in this. Right. But, again, because of what I've gone through in life, I was able to identify mental. My mother's mentally ill, schizophrenic and bipolar. It's literally usually how I start my public speaking stories is talking about my mother. Do you still have a relationship with her? Yes. Yep. Yep. And how is that? It's great. It's great. No complaints. Really? She, She has her episodes. But, hey. I've grown to understand that's my mom, and I always will love my mom. Wow, good for you. Yeah. That takes that takes a certain special type of someone. Yeah, because it's a learning experience. You know, I've, I'm dealing with people. You know, I love people. I try to help. My heart is too kind. There's, like, homeless people. You try to help them, and they don't want the help, and they have an episode, but you just, I just can't help but try to help. Yep. Wear your heart on your sleeve, man. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. that, well, I think that depths within you want to match the depths in somebody else is what I see, which is so cool. <laughs> the world needs you, Kek, and what needs people like you. Oh, so. we need more people like because it's a lot of work. Oh God, please. I can imagine. So that's what I wanted to go to next. So how do you? Um, you're always working. Mm-hmm. What are you doing when you're not working? Watching Marvel films. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, Marvel junkie. Marvel junkie. Was yeah. there a new one that just came out? Is the Suicide Squad a Marvel thing? I know nothing about that world. Dear. Lord, I know not. <laughs> I am so offended. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm so not. what is Marvel's like? Captain America, no, suicide, Wonder Woman. Yeah, Suicide Squad is DC. There's, you know, there's Marvel oh, and DC. So yeah. Batman. So the way to kind of tell the difference is Batman, DC. No, Iron Man. So Ooh. think Batman, Iron Man. They're two separate sides of the coin. Correct. Ooh. So yeah. Batman is all DC. So any character you've ever seen around or it's tethered to Batman. Is from DC. Okay. If you see Iron Man, any character that's been associated with like Black Widow, Black Panther, uh, Hawk, stuff like that, that's how you associate the side of the coin. Uh, Wonder Woman? DC. Oh, see, I don't, okay. But Superman, you, Superman. Superman, DC. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess you can say, okay, I guess Superman technically is a prolific one. He's the the big face of it all. I say Batman because I'm a huge Batman fan. Oh, really? He's a guy that has no superpowers. (laughs) He's just rich. (laughs) He's just rich. He has a cape. Baller. He has a cape. Which to me is dangerous. I've seen, (laughs) I love the Incredibles. And they have that whole segment where they talk about why it's bad to have a cape. Wait, why? I love the cape. Why do they say it? So imagine you're a soup, you're just. Casual fly, casually flying, mm-hmm. just in the air, and you're next to a plane, and you're waving at the people. The kid sees you in the window, and all of a sudden, your cape gets sucked into the plane's engine, and you die. <gasps> well, that, I mean, that's, that's actually, a good point. That's but a really good point. But it's, also, you have the superheroes if you're flying. No, like in The Incredibles, 
literally they show that happening. I was like, I feel darling, like that. darling. No, yeah. you don't want that cape. No, you don't want that cape. That's how she talks. Literally, it's hilarious. No, no, no. The baby. Give me the baby. Give me the baby. I forget. It. I forget what the woman's name with the little. I think it's a hairstyle, the glasses. The, yeah, yeah, the glasses. That's yeah, a yeah, guy yeah. that does that voice. I was like, wow, that's hilarious. Really? Yes. Voiceover. I love voiceover. I was just going to ask, are you like into voiceover at all? I haven't, but I've dabbled with my son. Like, even when he was growing up, I would always do like weird freaking voices. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Wow, just, you're really good at doing that. I just do voices. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's so you know, like part of my job is to like pre- um to record commercials or whatnot, you know? I'm so bad at it. Yep. I'm so bad at it. It's so hard. Voiceover work <laughs> to me is the hardest thing in the world. Oh, so it's I a love natural it. talent of yours. Like I what was the one my voice has matured so much, but I used to do it so well. Like, people are like, you should get a career voice. It was like, rated PG-13 in theaters Friday. Like, Ooh, stuff like that. But my voice, so well. I can't do it as well because my voice is mature. It's not as grungy as it used to be. It used to, really, it used to be grungier. Yeah. You've grown out of it. Yeah. Like, if you hear my son talk, he has a deep voice. Really? He's 13, like I can say. He's, he's, he's like, what's up, kid? Hey, dad. Like, I remember, that. I would never forget that morning. He woke up. I was cooking breakfast. He came downstairs. I said, what's up, man? Good morning. He's like, good morning. I'm like. <gasps> it happened. The yeah, change, it is here. The change has happened. Yeah. I feel like there's a moment in everybody's life with any man they know or any, you know, where, like, there was one day you talked to him, and then the next time you talked to him, it was such a noticeable difference. Yeah. You were like, whoa, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Saying voiceovers, I may get into it. It's not too late. I mm-hmm. mean, especially in today's world, it's definitely never too late. Actually, well, so do you like working in the studio a lot? You still you still make beats and all that stuff. I what is your can't sit still worth a darn? So what is when you're thriving and you're in your flow? You know what does that look like for kids? Being boots on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you saw me this past Sunday, boots on the ground because, and I actually. I made a Facebook status about that. As you learn, I'm very transparent on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want you to know or I don't want to say it out loud, I won't post it. Like, I my, I tried to do the fan-like thing. Didn't work. That's difficult to get people that you know migrate. Because those are usually the people I want to be in the know is the people that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to, like, text everybody and say, hey, I just got a grant. Like, let me just put it on Facebook. But anywho, um, like I say, Facebook has just become this space and place where it allows me to share and document what I've done to enable and allow people to say, well, I remember this guy Kick was doing these things. Let me see if there's some log of some sort on his Facebook of how and why he did it. Mm-hmm. Where did he do it? It's literally my legacy. I'm documenting my legacy via Facebook. Wow. And I put on my Facebook that there were people who are also right at the same time, but to a degree it does, that's probably one of the rare things that does offend me when someone says, you shouldn't be doing that. You're right. But at the same time, I'm CMA by IRS standards is only two and a half years old. Well, four years as an idea, a program, organization, but two years old. So we're still a baby. We're still yeah. learning. And one of those years was COVID? Yes, correct. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
I am here again to serve and solve a problem, help solve a problem, not solve it by myself, help solve a problem. I can't solve or help solve that problem if I don't know what the problem is and it's ever changing. Just like laws are always changing. There's always new ones. There's always something rewritten. The same applies with the community and the people that I serve. It's ever changing, always will. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to be sitting in an office all day wondering, okay, so what else is going on in the world? And not knowing that answer, that frustrates me. Like I am now at a point with CMA in my own career where I'm like, I'm doing a lot in Cincinnati. It's time for the world to know what we're doing. So we're planning and putting together this marketing mobile music tour to go out to partners in other cities, see what you're doing. How are you doing it? Why are you doing it? I need to be boots on the ground because Mm -hmm. I am the one building the legacy of this music accelerator with help. I'm the leader though. And I can't lead if I don't know who I need to help lead. What do you think is some really great leadership advice you can offer to people from what you've learned thus far? One, don't intentionally lead. Just do what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. When you work to be a leader, you start to actually create a subconscious cocky attitude that everyone has to listen to you. Your way of things is the way. Like you just create this subconscious mentality that is very that can become very toxic. It's kind of like the story of again I love sci-fi and science fiction and stuff where there's a there's a person who has who literally once they die they resurrect. Every time they resu- they're resurrect they're resurrected they forget a lot of their memories. Their personality starts to change. It's because you start to lose a lot of that human being mm-hmm. that nature. Yeah. Of just being human. The same applies, you know, to this. And I'm trying to just be a person that just understands and grows in this organization to the point. So I say I have officially set the foundation for my successor. And my team and those after me. But I need to know what else. We don't have. You have such confidence in you, Keck. Such confidence. Has this always been a thing for you? It's just been there. Again, just, you're just being you. It's when you learn, when you learn to understand your faults, admit your faults. No one can tell you anything. If someone comes to you right now and calls out something that you've been, you haven't ever been public or transparent about, you will immediately be offended. To your sometimes your first response would be like, "Nah, it's not true. You actually lied, probably." Mm. You say, "Ah, oh, no, nah, that's not true." Oh, no, I get no. angry. I get oh, no. angry. Oh no, yeah, oh, no. just shut up. <laughs> You're just, just because someone's telling you the truth, you don't want to admit it yet. You haven't yeah. come to terms with it. Yeah. So I've learned over time as I'm learning to come to terms with things. So when someone comes to me and said, "You did this," you're like, "You're absolutely right," and they're like, "And blah, blah, blah. yeah, you're right." <laughs> they get shook and shocked, like. Now I have nothing else to say because you've already come to terms with it. I think, you know, um, uh, what, what I'm trying to say here. So, like, you know how people say, like, you give people the power and you give people the wherewithal and the allowance to treat you mm-hmm. however you do. Mm-hmm. But actually learning and realizing how that plays out, yeah, you know, I think is super huge. And I can't even articulate how exactly that happens other than life experience and letting your guard down and yeah. admitting your faults is 
you know, as they as they unfold. And a lot of that, too, is lack of context. You know, lack lack of context creates confusion and misunderstanding. For example, say you have a situation, your significant other so mad, like, why did you go out late at night? What, what were you doing? Oh, my God, you always do this. You're always doing these things. You're doing this by my back. Not knowing because of lack of context that you are actually out planning their birthday surprise birthday thing. You're doing all this work. And because of their work, because of their work schedule, you, you know, say they're off during the day and, you know, you're off at night. But that's the only time you have time to really do just timing. And they they're picking up on us like, hey, I saw your husband or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, doing this like something's up there. But you're literally just doing something really heartwarming. But because of the schedule, however, you have to do it a certain way. That's just due to lack of context. They don't know. They don't understand. They just didn't get it until you finally do the big reveal. And it's like, oh, man, that's what you were doing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what I was doing. Again, it's it's an analogy, but it's just lack of context creates confusion and if you don't give people enough context you allow them to create a narrative that is non-existent oh it's so true literally if you don't explain something you make it sound so easy Kevin. no it's because it's true it's actually true it's that easy no but there are reasons why people don't do lack of con I mean, oh, there's lack of context like you know you know people have all their own personal stuff that is withholding them yeah. That is, you know, shutting them off from um, sharing more. Yeah. Which then creates lack of context. Lack of context. We're, we're solving the world's problems right now. Right now. Oh, my God. Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Hilarious. So what is your future for Cincinnati Music Accelerator? Can you give me just a couple goals? I mean, a couple. The goal, one goal to program live music in as many as 52 neighborhoods because that's how many neighborhoods are in Cincinnati mm -hmm. in partnership with others. Being the leading agency that books out talent here in the Cincinnati region and getting out there and putting Cincinnati truly on the map for our creative genius in music. Hey, there you go. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. Yeah. You do speak very clearly and concisely. You know? Training. I feel like this is training. I was like, I feel like this is just what you're you're born to do. You're yeah. doing God's work. I am. And I observe other people. You know, I'm around. I love to surround myself about around people. I love watching documentaries. Mm -hmm. I love just doing things. What I need to do more of is read. But I we move so, I yeah. move so much. I don't have time to sit and read a book. I'm like, I don't even have time to read a full article. I always... <laughs> What the article says is going to be a five-minute read. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's tough. You know what? Same. <laughs> Number one, I'm a slow reader. So if it says five minutes, I'm like, it's going to take me 12. And, like, even, like, for, for, like, my show, doing show prep, yeah. all I do is read all day, think about it, then write about it. Yep. And uh, I very rarely actually finish an entire article. Very rarely. Yeah. I mean, I start doing it more more so especially if it's articles i really want to know like mm -hmm. i want to know information you know what maybe you should just start reading i'm sorry to cut you off poetry you know what you should you know poetry and uh, music is poetry yes i, I mean very it. much like I mean, you yes. actually be shocked coming to my place you'll see i don't have a lot of music things around i live what do you mean? like 
I don't have instruments hanging around. I don't have a home studio. Everyone expects me to have a home studio. I had it. I got tired of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want work to be close anymore. I used to want yeah. it all. I loved bragging, like, hey, I got a home studio. I got this. Oh, yeah, you come to my place. We can record, blah, blah, blah. And then you start really learning how just that makes no sense. Like, yeah. it makes sense if that's your everyday thing and, you know, you need to always have your equipment accessible to you. Like, mm-hmm. But I work in a world where I need a mental break in yeah. order to continue to survive and thrive and just doing CMA, producing music, helping people in music, helping people. It's like I need a day to be an introvert. Boundaries, yeah. I need one day. That rest, that restful day is, I mean, is huge. Yep. You know, in the same breath, I used to have a podcast studio at my house, mm. and then I went insane, and now I only do it in the studio because in the same breath, I was like, I can't. This is take my. This is taking over my life. It's taking over my life, and you know, I have a kid too. You know, mm-hmm. my son, like I say, he's thirteen. I'm trying to really give him more attention because he's really like he's on me. You know, are you, you got anything going on with your stage trailer? He's like, yeah. It's like, am I coming? He's like, heck yeah, I'm putting you to work, man. But put your uniform on. Let's get to work. How was it having a 13-year-old? It's great. I'm blessed. This kid is amazing. He's easily really? simple. You know, he's, he comes out. He's like, hey, which he should know. Subcon- like, he should consciously know to put the dishes away out of the dishwasher. No. No, he's a teenager. But he'll ask. He's like, do you want me to do that for you? It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, trash stinks. Right. I'm going to take it out. Right. <laughs> do that. You do that. But he doesn't argue. I'm knock on some wood. He doesn't argue with me. Oh, good. He does not talk back. He is very easygoing, very easy person to talk to, engage with. He's one of those, you have to engage with him, though, before he engages with you. If you don't say nothing to him, he's just going to look around <laughs> pretty much and pass eyes at you like, who's this person? Okay. Do you think, was it hard for you to connect and speak really openly? You, I, I don't know. Um, because of your upbringing? Was it, you know, have you, have you found it difficult to parent at all because of the way you were parented? I don't know. Really? Nope, because it was it was me trying to not make the same mistake. Oh yeah. Continue the cycle. I didn't want to continue that cycle. Way to break the cycle, no, dude. If there's anything you are you are, you started a whole stream. Ah! You started your your own vortex. <laughs> my own vortex. My own, as they say, other dimension universe. I yeah. guess you know. I'm just having fun. Yeah. Well. Amen. All of that. That's now when people say, "What do you do?" You're like, "I'm just having fun." I'm just having fun. Having fun. Yeah, like even when it's stressful, it's like, well, at least a lot of fun comes out of this. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. Oh man, kick. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. I feel Thanks like we could. Me. I mean, and thank you for being so open and transparent and vulnerable. There are like so many. I'm like, I just. I love digging into into the depths of people if they will allow you to go there. You know. Mm-hmm. I think your story, there's probably so many more layers to it. And thank you for sharing the ones that you did with us today. Thank you for just allowing me to share. Amen, dude. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing for our city and our community. Love it. You know, I like, um, I talk about this all the time here, but so I moved away from, I'm from Cincinnati. Okay. And I've pretty much been living in and out of Over the Rhine since 08. Okay. And, but I moved away um, pretty much to the, to the East Coast and to the West Coast. Moved back four years ago. Like the month that I did that, 
um, the radio, the week I did the radio thing, I think. Okay. It was like the month of the week that I moved home, I like was on it right away. Gotcha. Um, and over the Rhine was a completely different, I mean, you're Man. just, you're, you're changing, I mean, it's to- so different. So different. As someone who like really, really lived here and spent so much time back in the day mm-hmm. and, and like continued to come back and back and back and like over the Rhine to me is home. I've lived all over the city in Perif, but like to me over the Rhine's home. I know you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of great things for it, so I think you're an integral part of that. So thank you. I mean, I gotta say this city is weird and bizarre as it is. It needs help, and I'm it gonna does. I'm gonna be an Avenger or I don't know Justice League, whatever you want to call me, and just do my part. It takes yeah. we have to do our part, and you even doing this like this is doing your part. Yeah. But that you know, the city is in a, a state of renaissance, and it needs people big time. It needs some pillars. So. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing this renaissance like, like even like, think about pre-COVID, and now there is like a new wave of fuel being pushed through people. Everyone is like re-inspired, so inspired, mm-hmm. motivated. Because we had nothing to do but sit at home and be on the internet. The internet allowed people to connect better, understand better, but also finally see the true possibilities of success. Yeah. And know that it actually isn't that difficult. You want to start your own juicery company? You want to be a juicer? (laughs) Go freaking do it! Yeah. Oh, this is the website. I mean, especially TikTok. TikTok's showing you all kind of stuff of how to fix your car. Like YouTube University, I still use that to this day. Like I'm learning how to put um, airlift suspension in my truck off of YouTube. Wow, dude. I talk, dude, that's insane. That's insane. And you realize it's not actually that difficult unless you get to a more complex version of what you're trying to get to. Then, yeah, you need to go to, like, auto body mechanic or something. Like, that ain't, nah, man, I'm not I'm not desoldering stuff. No, nah, I'm not doing that. Trying to kill myself. YouTube is changing the world, it's dude. It's changing it. And it's, like, ever-changing. But mm. I say that because that's the renaissance. That's yeah. People are just feel more supportive. Like, there are groups now who are just like, you know, I want to fund this. I want to give to that. And they feel better because they know the true nature and cause of what they're supporting now. It's not hard to research stuff. Just like Mm-mm. you said, you did your research on me. Yeah. Go do your research. Kick is a really easy person to research, by the way. I'm all right. And it's true. Google and very accessible. Me. How can people find you? You can find me on literally all social media platforms as producer Kick Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even go on streaming platforms to hear my music, uh, Kick Lee. Um, a lot of my social has that stuff tether and maybe ask a friend too. She yes. might already know me. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> and I don't mean to say it in a cocky way. It's literally just what is happening now. People are like, you, your name always comes up. And I just never knew exactly who you were, or what you did, but I saw your branding. Hey. <laughs> so. Uh, well, now I hope that this, uh, well, I hope that our interview now yes. helps that more and more people to get to know you. And also just reach out to him. And reach out to you, Kick. You're so friendly and you're so kind. I'm all right. I'm all right. That's literally probably Champion my tag. for the people. I got to get a shirt because that's literally what I say now when people, like, compliment me. I'm, like, so humble. I always say, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> you're amazing. I'm all right. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you.
Um, well, dude, once again, um, and also, hold on, what's the, what's your, okay, so what are your websites and dot coms for Cincinnati Music Accelerator and Producer Community? Yeah, so Cincinnati Music Accelerator, again, on all social media platforms, and you can find us online at CincinnatiMusicAccelerator.org. Work. Work. Well, thank you so much, dude. I mean, he's the real deal, right? Yeah. Kick Lee of Cincinnati Music Accelerator. If you want to learn more about him or his project, it's CincinnatiMusicAccelerator.org. Also on all the socials, it's Cincinnati Music Accelerator and Kick Lee. You can Google him also on all of the, on all socials and Instagram. He's what, producer Kick Lee. Just Google him. His name pops up everywhere. I think this month specifically, he's on eight other podcasts. He's already been on dozens of them. Uh, excellent, man. Excellent, man. If you see him around, make sure you say hi, reach out to him. And he's always here. Great dude. All right, guys, see you next time. Whatever it is you do, yourself proud. I'll see you soon.